Great Sugar Booger, ladies and gentlemen, season four of Chewing the Gristle. We've got some magnificent guests queued up and ready to roll. Of course, Chewing the Gristle, it's guitar-oriented, but we talk about whatever. Can you dig it? And this glorious broadcast, if you will, is brought to us by our friends at Wildwood Guitars, Louisville, Colorado, bringing you such a variety of glorious instruments, it'll tempt your mind, body, and soul. And our friends at Fishman Transducers, beautiful Andover, Massachusetts, providing all kinds of -of state-of-the-art accoutrement to take your acoustic instrument, fire it up, to blast people's brains into submission. And of course, their pickups those with the Bristletone moniker are fantastic. Let's get to it, folks. This week on Chewing the Gristle, we have the immortal Paul Gilbert, ladies and gentlemen. Doggone it, a legend in the guitar world, but a musician, just a masterful musician, doggone it. Hell of a nice guy and funny as hell. He's got super Herculean chops, but just a musician of massive musicality. Massive musicality, Paul Gilbert. This week, Chewing the Gristle. Go. Go, it says. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, another fascinating installment of Chewing the Gristle is Nigh with the majestic fretboard warlord of the night and of the day. Mr. Paul Gilbert. Paul, how the hell are you, my friend? I'm doing fantastic. I was I was almost enlisted to play upright bass with her, my wife's jazz trio this morning, but uh, the, the bass player showed up, so I'm, I'm free to talk to you. Excellent. Well, now, I, I had no idea your wife was a musician. What kind of uh, jazz music is she involved in? Well, she plays piano and sings. She began her, her musical career as a classical piano player. But uh, she went to a jazz uh, club and, and when she was in university, and that uh, sparked her interest. And now she's like big Bill Evans fan and trying to learn all the Bill Evans licks and and, and basically just trying to be. She's she's got a great ear. She's got like perfect pitch, and and so uh, I'm I'm often really I wouldn't say jealous. I'm I'm often want to want to rise to her level of of naturally being able to just bat out a melody first take perfect on any instrument that she picks up ah you know what you know what, paul i think you're doing all right <laughs> i can like well, i can do all right on a kazoo or i can do all right if, if it's like within the notes of the a minor pentatonic scale but you know there's, there's so there's so many melodies that i know like the, the one one that got me was uh, you know, to, to the Beach Boys. So, you know, a song like Wouldn't It Be Nice, you know, wouldn't it be nice? Da, 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 da. That to me, well, on the kazoo, I'll get that first take. Right, right, right. You know, you know at least recognizable. It might not be, you know, no one, one might be able to want to listen to it, but at least it's recognizable melody. She heard it twice. You know, she didn't grow up with that song. She just heard it twice and played it perfectly on the flute, which is not her main instrument at all. She's not, she's not like a technically outstanding flautist, but I was like, man, you know, I, I, I'm supposed to be a guitar player. I couldn't play that melody first take on the guitar, but I'm working on it. But do you? Th- I mean, because I've always, I, I've made this statement before about you know, 
you know, people say, well, so-and-so's got perfect pitch. And I always use the expression was just because you have perfect pitch doesn't, doesn't mean you know how to listen. (laughs) (laughs) And so I've always, I'm always curious, you know, if you think that some of the, um, some of that lag time, if you will, of sussing things out on an instrument, as opposed to just being immediately able to translate it from your, from your head to your hands in some way adds to the happy mistakes that makes us who we are as musicians. You know what I mean? That that's, it, 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 it gives us this, you know, this, this layer, if you will, this, um, extra secret sauce in the striving to, to get there. You know what I mean? Well, well, to me, speaking of upright bass, uh, the upright bass, you know, I remember as a kid, you know, I'd turn on TV and there'd be like a, you know, jazz on TV and you'd see the upright bass guy trying to do a solo. And you, you, you sort of give them the same extra license that you give to like a, a, a kid who's three years old and is drawing a dinosaur. <laughs> you know, so you don't expect it to be technically perfect. The kid's three years old, you know, the right. dinosaur, dinosaur is like a complicated thing to draw. Right. And, uh, and the same thing, you hear somebody playing a solo on an upright bass, you go, well, it's an upright bass. Of course, it's going to, you know, have struggle. It, it, physical struggle is just part of the sound because they're they're basically, you know, wrestling a bear. Right, exactly. You know, so it's, it's okay, you know, if they don't quite get to that note in time or, or there's, it doesn't, you know, it's, it's you, you give, you forgive them because of, of what it is. And to, to me, like as as a guitar fan, as as a kid, when like when Van Halen came out, that you, you the, the struggle was gone. He had such a, a a grace to his touch, and and to me, like all the all the fast like shreddy stuff was was much that that wasn't what got me excited about Eddie Van Halen. It was the it, it was like how he played the rhythm to you really got me. You know, the, the, the first two chords, like, those chords sound really different than the way Dave Davies played them. And I, and I love, you know, when Dave Davies plays them, I like that he's wrestling the bear and just barely surviving it because there's a drama to that. And if, and he wrote the thing. So, you know, that's, that's extra credit, too. But but when, when Eddie would play, it, there was such a control of all the little elements. It was, and you could, it was all um, full of intention. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't there by accident. It was like he meant all those little sounds, or at least that you know I'm glorifying it because he's my hero. But you know that that was the, the sense that I got, and and so uh, the, to me, to me, that's that's sort of the decision is like how much of that three year old kid fighting or drawing a dinosaur are you willing are you are you are willing to accept? Because a lot of that is really cool. I mean, I'd, I'd much rather see a three year old kid's drawing of a dinosaur than like a perfect one. <laughs> I, I, I guess what it is, you know, I'm rambling, but no, it's all right. Yeah, I, I, I guess what it comes down to is, I want there to be value at every age of being a musician. Like I, when I was 11 years old, I want to have something to offer, some something cool to 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 to, to communicate, and I also want to have something cool to offer when I'm 55 now, and I want to have something cool to offer when I'm 85. Right. And those, those things aren't going to be the same. You know, when, a, when an 11-year-old who's just getting their fingers to work on the instrument, what they have to offer is, is you know, might be like, okay, I can bat out a Ramon song 
and and actually have it sound pretty good, you know. And then when you're 20, 25, you know, that's okay. I want to prove that I can play scales now. So, you know, I'll, I'll do a, you know, a harpsichord concerto on my guitar. And then when you're, you know, when you're 50, maybe like, well, now I want to go back, play some blues because that's got, you know, I, I can intentionally control things and have it be beautiful. And who knows what I'm going to do when I'm 85, just, you know, stand up on the chair once, you know, or, you know, <laughs> like, look, he's standing. <laughs> Although old Les Paul sounded pretty good right up until the end. He, you know, he was able to, he was able to wield with great aplomb at a very old age. So one never knows what will happen. But, you know, I was going to ask you, you know, one of the things, you know, when I'm, when I'm teaching a, a Skype lesson to somebody and they're like, you know, there just seems, and I remember this when I was, was quite a bit younger and still, you know, there's always a bit of residual uh, future envy, like God, you know, at some point on down the line, I'm going to play something that's worth a shit, right? And when we're younger, we're always in that state of ah, it just sucked. And I always try to tell people that look, nothing is preventing you from making meaningful music that's satisfying for yourself and for others at whatever skill level you're at. Yeah. But for but for some reason, we're always just inundated with this kind of self loathing and self disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's as soon as as soon as you uh, you have as soon as you've eaten the cake, right? You know, the, I don't I don't know what the right metaphor is, but yeah, I know what you you know professional players who are able to go like, okay, I'm just like you know, uh, when I you know like this the sort of the slow hand philosophy, you know, I'm Eric Clapton and I can play anything, but I'm just gonna play da 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 and just do it beautifully, even though I could do a lot more. And I, I, as a kid, that I didn't like that. You know, I, I, I wanted, I wanted a little bit of fight in the bear. You know, I didn't want to go like, well, I'm, I'm just fighting the bear is a little dangerous, so I'm gonna just gonna sit here in front of the fire and relax with a and sip my hot toddy. You know, or, you know <laughs> again, my metaphors are all over the place. We'll, we'll rein those in at some point. Well, let's talk a little bit about your, you know, you, you got very, very. Because we're about the same age. I, I think I'm a, I was born in June of 66. I think you're born in, what, November of 66. Yeah, that's right. And I was, you know, the product of, uh, you know, I was the youngest of seven kids. And, and my brother was the oldest and I was the youngest. So I was exposed to all of his records. So I was an absolute, you know, I was a boomer by default. You know, it was all Hendrix and Cream Era Clapton and James Gang and, you know, all the, all this type of stuff. But really you know, and Zeppelin and so on and so forth, but it was really Hendrix and Cream Era Clapton. And then I was like, well, who are these guys and where did they get this from? And then I did the deep dive right away to, you know, all the older blue stuff and try to go from that direction. Um, whereas I'm interested that in what got you initially, because you were like frighteningly uh, astute technically as well as musically at a, at a very young age. I mean, when, when I was 15, I, I, was, I was pretty blues literate, but I, I definitely... You know, in terms of, uh, you know, most of the people that were our age were more into kind of the playing that you were into, per se. And I'm just wondering, how did you get into it? What were the first things that really kind of tripped your trigger? Because it's interesting because you also have this, you know, Beatles and, as you said, Beach Boys, kind of this pop sensibility. It's very much evident in all of your activities. But what what kind of bridged you over into Shredsville initially? Well, it was the same thing where it was like the record collections that you had access to. So my, my parents had had Beatles, Stones, Animals, Carol King, plus a lot of classical stuff. Got it. And the the classical music, in a way, that was some of the inspiration for for you know I guess what you'd call shred, because 
the classical musicians were clean. Right. You know, I, I, as much as I love the, the, the vibe and the energy of, 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 of Led Zeppelin, you know, Jimmy Page would, 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 would paint, he was painting with a big brush. So, you know, sometimes, sometimes the detail would get lost a little bit. And and it wouldn't the music would be fine it would, it would you'd still get the message across, but if you but if you put a magnifying glass on it, you'd go like oh that one note had a little dirt you know whereas the whereas the harpsichord guy, on the classical record you know every every note would be this perfect little thing even under the microscope, so, uh, and I think I felt a little bit of, sort of shame worry about being a rock and roll musician, because. You know, there was that. There, it was. Uh, I, I worried about like the stigma of like, oh, a rock and roll musician doesn't know what they're doing. You know, they're just a dumb rock and roll musician. And uh, and so the, the the cure for that was like, oh, if I can learn a couple harpsichord licks, then then I can have my smart life, smart person license, and say, look, I can go. You know, I got my powdered wig and you know, you know, whatever the. You know, I can sort of throw that in, and 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 then, you know, if then if I when I go for the because I still you know I listen to Led Zeppelin records a, a thousand times more often than the than than Bach. Sure, but uh, but that was it. I think it was it was sort of like a a cover for for teenage worry or uh, you know insecurity was 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 trying to you know play very cleanly. And the other thing was was my uncle, who's a really good rock and blues guitar player. He he lived in another town, but he lived in Chicago, so I only got to see him once in a while. But but I would dive into his record collection, and, and he would also make strong recommendations. So he was like, you know, when he found out I, I wanted to play guitar, he said, "Oh, you got to Hendrix." He said, "You you got to get you know all the Hendrix records," and he made me get a, rec- a Hendrix record called War Heroes. Oh yeah, I remember that one, which was a, a German import, I think, and it had an instrumental called Midnight. And and man, I listened to that. I mean, it's the whole record, but that, that, that you know, Hendrix's tone on 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 Midnight just ridiculous. It's so it's so on fire, and uh, and that kind of led to whenever I would hear because on the, once in a while on the radio you'd hear like Robin Trower, and you know, Day of the Eagle would be played on the radio, and that really caught my ear. I was like, man, I love Robin Trower. So I got those records real early on: Bridge of Sighs, Live Robin Trower, and uh, Victims, Victims of the Fury. Uh, and then uh, the Frank Marino live record that that because there was a, a concert called California Jam Two that they simulcast on the on the on FM radio and I had a good cassette player so I, I could I recorded it and Frank Marino was on that so that inspired me to get the live Frank Marino album so all and then, and then my uncle had the Pat Travers records and so all the all the guys I I, I think of them as like the swirly pedal guys. <laughs> Because <laughs> they they all they, they all came from like that you know when Hendrix played the national anthem and he had the the the, the univibe yeah and, and and that sort of you know was planted the seeds of the Frank Marino sound you know Johnny Winter with the phase shifter and all the guys that they'd play a note it would sort of go and Trower Pat Travers with the with the Les and Frampton who had the Leslie going Leslie going yeah exactly uh, and I really liked and and also Alex Lifeson who often would play with a flanger so I, I really loved a lot a lot of that in a way more than like like Richie Blackmore who had a real in your face dry you know it took me a long time before I really got more into Blackmore because I, I like the swirly guys better. 
the swirly guys. I like that. <laughs> and, it was, and it was funny too, because it was, um, well, I should mention before I changed, well, I'm still my uncle. My uncle also really uh, insisted that I listen to, to early punk, like Iggy and the Stooges, the MC5. So I was listening to, to you know, Kick Out the Jams, uh, Raw Power. And he was just like, you got to get those records. And I, and I like, that's the thing is, is, is I, I always, my, my friends started getting into jazz when I was in high school. And, and I, I would listen to it, just go like, man, I, I'd much rather listen to, to the MC5, even though it's, it's kind of a big mess. It's such an enjoyable mess. Right. You know, I don't care about the mess. Like I'm getting the message and, and, and the message is just like fun. And, and, uh, I remember, the, you know, my, my friends had like some Pat Metheny records and I was curious because Pat Metheny made good guitar faces. You know, I, I, I'd, seen, I'd seen pictures of him and I thought he looks like he's going to sound good because he's wincing and scowling and, and making all these, and he's got the cool, he's got the Van Halen stripy shirt too. Right. He's got the hair, the whole yeah, he's got the hair. I thought this is going to be great. And so my, I was, my friend had a Pat Metheny record. I was like, okay, turn me on to this. And I put it on and I was just like, I, I don't even hear the guitar. Is there guitar on this? Because he, I think he had, it was like one of those records where he had a synthesizer and it was all kind of, kind of yacht jazz. And, and so, you know, I'm sure now I would hear it and, and, and find something good because now I've been getting into my golden years. But as a teenager, you know, I, I really craved fiery stuff. Right. Now, was that, was any of that influenced by, I mean, did you do jazz band and stuff like that in high school or no? I, I was, not a jazz fan. I mean, the, the the thing that got me into jazz was blues. No, I mean, but did you play in jazz band at oh, school? No, oh, no, I, like, it, I, I played, uh, there, there was one, you know, they, they had a jazz band, but they, were, they weren't they were very, <laughs> they, they, you know, they, they were kind of stumbling along, like, they, 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 nobody could really play. Right, 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 right. And, you know, the, I would, I would just, you know, find the older kids in the, in the town, you know, they weren't in my school, but the, you know, I, I would, I would hunt around, you'd, you'd be a bulletin board at the music store and that you'd, you'd sort of network, you know, and find people to play with. So I was always playing with, you know, I was like 15 and playing with guys that were in their twenties, but you know, we would, we would basically play, be playing arena rock in, in clubs, which was a horrible idea. You know, you'd go into the clubs and, and people wanted to hear uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival. You know, they want to hear bar music. You know, Steppenwolf, you know, that, that kind of stuff. And we'd be playing, you know, twenty side one of 2112. And, uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of Rush, a lot of Iron Maiden. You know, like arena, we really wanted to be arena rockers. So, you know, we, we never had good gigs because nobody would hire us. But but uh, we had a good time at parties. Now, you know, you're a great improviser. Now, were, you, were you into improvising early on or were you... Were you into like establishing certain solos and certain constructions of, of how you went about it? Or were you always impro improvisation was always part of your thing from the, from the get go? Well, well, I had a sense of, you know, in, in a song, you'd get a sense of like, okay, this part is the melody. You gotta, you gotta play that. Cause that's the song. And this is the part where they're just going for it. Right. And so in the going for it part, you know, I mean, you, also, I, even if I wanted to, I couldn't copy that part because that that's when the, whoever the player was would do their signature stuff. Right. That only they can, really, the, only they have any business doing that. You know, so, you know, I, when I learned, I was a huge Van Halen fan, but I mostly learned his rhythms. Got it. You know, it'd get to the solo and I'd sort of try to get something that would be in the spirit of that. But it would, you know, you could, there was nothing to slow down 
you know, I, I couldn't figure the licks out. So I just sort of get a lick that was similar and, and, and do my best to get something in the spirit of it. But um, really, the, like the word improv- improvising, sort of the meaning of that has evolved in my head. Because initially that kind of meant, okay, I have licks, and I just sort of spill them out, hopefully in a, in a way that, that makes some kind of sense. But, you know, but I'm kind of, you know, it's, it's fi- the fiery stuff. You kind of play as fast as you can and you rely on the rhythm section to provide the structure. And that can be, that can be great. You know, that, 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 you know, Ingve is kind of like that where, you know, he, the, the band is going, and you, so you know what key it is, you know, the tempo. And then Ingve is, you know, just, just like, you know, fighting invisible pirates and winning on, <laughs> on, on the guitar, you know, and, and, and not really, but but you can tell he knows where he is still. You know his, his, he lands it, but it's not like the whole thing. You know if if you solo it up, you, you'd kind of be lost. You need the rhythm section, and that's okay. He's got one, so it worked. Um, but you know, as again, as, the more time has gone on, I I find that I, I really get satisfaction from playing what I actually hear in my head, and I don't hear shred in my head. It's it's impossible. Like I can't I can't hear that fast, uh, especially when it's just in my imagination. But I can hear melodies. But playing melodies was really hard to do at first because I had had never worked on it. I always thought, well, that's the singer's job, and my job is to you know light the place on fire in between the, mel- the melodies, which is kind of what my heroes did. You know, so the the, the um the the bands the guitar players that were playing melodies would be like you know Boston. And I and I was I lost and but I wasn't interested in playing that stuff because it, it you know again I wanted to it wasn't fiery it was more melodic it was it was so um, the melodic side of it is much more recent development and uh, it 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 it, it I, I just love it when I get it right you know that and and that's what's made me really love listening to jazz is if I if I when I hear BB King play I can. I get a sense that he's really playing what he hears in his head. He's telling the truth, right? Where you know, I can, I can tell when I'm not telling the truth. You know, I, if I play a melody, because I, I, you know, I know the fretboard well enough where I can put my fingers in, in a spot that I know. But it's not necessarily what I, what I was, what I was hearing. And so I'm the only one that knows, or you know, or but but I, it's a feeling like it, when you really play what you hear and you match that up. That's when I, when I, now when I hear you know what I that's like what I consider to be the true improvisers. That's what they're doing, right? And and that and that feels so good. Crazy, yes, absolutely. So when early on when you were playing, we it's gotten to such a an interesting place these days is that people are obsessed. Of course, you know there's always a little bit of this going on, no matter you know what generation you are and so on and so forth, but. It's like it's. It seems that people are obsessed with gear in a way now that that has really been without parallel. I think you know. It's it's it, it's uh, and and I certainly understand. It. And Lord knows, a, 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 a good chunk of my living is made by you know coming up with things and representing people that are you know selling musical gear and and they can be very very inspiring and so on and so forth and all that kind of stuff. But. Were you the type of individual starting off where it's like, it's like, oh, I have a guitar and it works? Or were you always thinking, well, I'm going to get this and this and this and this? Or did it evolve over time? Or because I I always tell the story, like when I was first gigging around, you know, it's like I had one to show and one as a spare. And, 
you know, same with an amp, you know, it's like you had maybe a spare, but, but that was it. And you weren't always like, man, I really need to get this, this, and this, and this. I mean, it was in the back of your mind somewhere, but the music was the most important thing. And now it seems like all of the, the gear is the obsession uh, as opposed to the actual playing. And I'm just wondering how, what was your kind of stance on that over the years as you were, as you were coming up? Well, initially, I just knew nothing about gear, and it wasn't easy to find anything out about it. So, you know, I, I just wanted to get a guitar. But when I when I got a guitar, I didn't know anything about it. You know, I didn't know what's you know, I didn't know there were different scale lengths. You know, I, I didn't you know, and and so there was a slow, and you couldn't Google anything then, so it was, it was slow discovery. And I would discover things by bodily injury. You know, so like if if, if my hand was bleeding. You know, I would wonder why, and I would look down and like, oh, there's these little metal things, little metal posts sticking out next to the volume pot that, you know, they, they you know, Gibson put them there to, so you'd know what number you're on. But actually, when you go in with your pinky to turn down the volume quickly, you're likely to rip a big hole in your, in your hand. Right. right. <laughs> so that, you know, then I'd learn, okay, well, you know, how, how do you, how do you take it apart and remove that thing? And, uh, you know, you know, so, so that, that's the kind of discoveries I would make. Like, you know, why, you know, I, I just met, well, let's see, are there any others like that? Well, you know, and, and it would hurt to bend. And then I would discover, oh, I need, I need taller frets so I can get a grip on the string. Because my, my first guitar was like a fretless wonder, you know, 70s Les Paul custom. You know, that, you know I was, you know, fortunate to find one used. It was, got a good deal on it and I, you know, sa- saved up. But, it, you know, it had, you know, the frets were, you know, for for, uh, for for visual entertainment purposes only, you couldn't feel them. They're so so low. So uh, you know, you'd find these practical things, and then of course, whammy bars was like, oh, my first whammy bar would wouldn't stay in tune. You know, so it was it was, and, and you know, and Van Halen had the, had the thing where you know you could, he he was like a you know homemade modify kind of thing, and actually the, the later. I've yet to do this because um, in a really, um, I know it's going to work. Is um, you know, people will say like, because I, I mostly play guitars that are twenty-two frets, and I always get the heavy metal guys going like, dude, well, you know, why don't you play twenty-four frets? It's more, <laughs> you know, more, more frets. Must you know, more is more. It must be better. And I thought I don't really know other than you know, I'm losing my hearing, so I can't even hear notes that high. So you know, if I, and. And I so, but then I, I I realized the other day I was I was I've been playing this the record I'm working on now is a tribute to Ronnie James Dio and I'm playing all the Dio uh, Dio vocals on my guitar, and the main guitar I've been playing is this Ibanez. It's basically you know a kind of a Strat copy, so it, it, it's got um, 21 frets, and I've just been getting the best tones out of it, and and I've been going what what is it? And I finally figured it out, and what it is 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 the less frets you have. The more room you have to do pick harmonics, and so I, I just I just bought a guitar on reverb, like a you know a cheap Ibanez Blazer. I'm going to take it to my repair guy and have him take a fret off, so it becomes a twenty fret. So I've got a little more room, and 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 you know have it have him like flatten it out, so I've got even more room. Because of course, the the more you go down with your left hand, then the, you know the 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 more your your right hand has to follow it. If you want to get the same octave harmonic, so I, that way I can get a little more range out of my um, out, out, out of my out of my pick harmonics, 
And, you know, and it's a, it's a tiny bit, but, you know, it's, it's fun to do that. Like, oh, if I, if I get that one more thing and, uh, you know, it, it, and I'm, I'm just happy that I finally figured out what the magic is. Like, why do I like less frets? You know, I, I kind of understand, you know, why, but, it, you know, in a way it is more is more. It's just a different more. Now, when we were at uh, your glorious camp a few, I guess that was a month ago or so now, um, you had um, a JTM 45... Uh, half stack and then you had a combo facing up at you and i'm just wondering you know with it, it's it's always a fascinating thing of actually just cranking up an amp and going for it from there and maybe putting some stuff through the effects loop versus keeping the amps relatively clean and then pushing them over the the top with pedals and i'm wondering do you go back and forth between these two different paradigms or have you been uh, what has kind of the thought process been as far as it is a different from the studio versus live. Yeah, I've, I've done everything. You know, I've had the hot rod amps that go to eleven. Uh, you know, Marshalls and Fenders on ten, uh, and uh, I, I would say one of the biggest influences is the practical things that you run into when you tour, and and like having to deal with backline because I'm, you know, I'm I'm not of a stature where I can like take my favorite golden tool, you know, in an anvil case and then ship it all over the place. Cause it's expensive to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's also, if you, if you, if you, you know, it gets lost in the luggage or something, then you're, you know, you're screwed. So, uh, you know, you know, if you're, if you're the Rolling Stones, the Keith Richards, then okay, you can have you know, all your favorite tube amps and a spare, you know, and you fly it on your own personal jet craft right but, <laughs> but for me it's like okay i've, I've, I've got to get the back line which is the you know the the jcm 800 that the tubes are you know 10 years old and, and, and worn to death and uh, and somehow make it work and what i started to realize from experiencing that is that i don't i don't want to rely on the distorted sound of a tube amp you know, if, if I can bring mine, okay. You know, but if but when I have the, the one in Sweden that's been beat to death by you know ten, ten acceptors, you know that one, <laughs> that that one I don't I don't have as much trust in. So, uh, but I I can usually find a good clean sound. You know, if I just turn the master to ten, turn the preamp way down, turn the treble down on about two. And the bass way up, you know, I get, I can, I can get a halfway decent clean sound, and it's still a tube amp, so it has a nice little sag to it, right? And then, you know, if I bring a, a pedal board that's got two or three overdrive pedals, I can make it work, right? You know, and and uh, so that's and that's all, all, all you, you know you can ask for. And so in the studio, you know, since I'm used to that, I'll I'll, ta I'll take the you know again the reliable overdrive pedals. Um, and since I can tinker around a little bit, I might, you know, because I, I do have a couple favorite tube amps that, uh, if you turn them all the way up, are, are really beautiful. Sure. But they tend to be kind of one-dimensional. You know, it's like, that's the sound you're going to get. It's a great sound, but, you know, do you want a whole record of that? Maybe, you know, but if you, if you want other sounds, you know, then it's, that's the nice thing about pedals. You have a lot of flexibility. Sure. Absolutely. Yes, indeed. You know, so uh, you were just over in Europe prior to um, we, us doing the camp. I saw a video of you actually playing at that uh, Bluesiana in beautiful Austria, a place oh, yeah. I've been I've been to many times my own self. And so, how much how much of the year are you out touring with yourself versus doing things with other people and so on and so forth? 
Well, I mean, you know, COVID sort of changed everything. Right. And uh, also, I'm the, I'm the father of an eight-year-old, so I, I'm being home to, to hang out with him. Uh, so it's really, I mean, you know, most of my life I toured a whole lot. And uh, right now I'm trying to take a break, a break from it a little bit just to be a good dad and, and uh, you know, suss out what's going on in the world. Yes. But, uh, and then also, you know, I've, for the last 10 years or so, I've had an online guitar school. So, you know, I've done over 13,000 video lessons on, on that. So that's, that's been a learning experience for, for me and hopefully for the students. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, I, when I, I sat in on a session of yours and, and you're an amazing teacher as well. I mean, it's, you have a way of putting things that is, uh, is different, but very informative and um, yeah, very, very well done. I was very, uh, I was very pleased that I saw it and listened oh, to well, it. Well, thank you for the compliment. And uh, I, I just, I try to watch myself to make sure I'm not ranting too much. And I, I think one of the, one of the interesting experiences of teaching is initially when I have a student, I, I, my initial instinct is like, okay, I want to show them how to do what I can do. Now, once in a while, you, you'll get somebody and they, and they can. And then, and not only can they, but they almost like, like they're, it's almost like seeing in, looking in the mirror, like they can play exactly like me. And then I start to wonder, well, that, actually is not the goal. Right. You know, the, the goal is for them to play like them. Right. And and it's it's a little bit weird when they're playing like me like that's and and so I I have to watch it because you know all I you know I'm most familiar with the tools that I have and I know that they work for me anyway you know with my particular physiology and and you know I mean everybody's hands are a little different but uh you know I want to give them those tools but at the same time like you know when you build what you're going to build don't build this exactly. You know, you gotta. It's so, so a lot. I'd say half of it's, you know, playing stuff. The other half of it's hearing. And, and the, the best compliment I ever get from my students say like after learning with you, I hear, really. And that, that's I, I get really happy when somebody says that. Indeed. Well, I can I can understand why they say that. So I, so how long have you been doing those those types of camps? Have you been doing that for a while? Yeah, I think. Um, I can't remember the first one. Well, this is, you know, like probably similar time, you know, about 10 years. And I used to go to other people's camps and, uh, and I was a participant and, uh, it, <laughs> just, I, you know, the, the stuff that I remember is always like the failures. <laughs> I, I remember one of the, one of the first camps I did, it was, I think it was in Vermont or something. Uh, and I still, fancied myself kind of a rock star and 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 I thought like that I you know I wanted to like preserve the mystique so I was really you know hesitant to like sort of join in with things you know it's like oh man you know I have to be I have to make sure that they they announce me properly and you know I, and I you know I can only you know I had all these like sort of self-imposed limitations and, and rules and and, I, and basically I was just an asshole <laughs> <laughs> And I look back at it now and just go, oh, geez, you know, and, then, and that's kind of the wonderful thing about it is like when you let that drop and, and you allow yourself to get closer to everybody. And, it, and that's like a thousand times more fun. We interrupt this regularly scheduled gristle infested conversation to give a special shout out to our friends at Fishman Transducers. 
makers of the Greg Koch Signature Fluence Gristle Tone Pickup Set. Can you dig that? And our friends at Wildwood Guitars of Louisville, Colorado, bringing the heat in the shadow of the Rocky Mountains. It's always fascinating to hear and watch other players play you know, especially something that maybe you've played a thousand times as far as a tune or something, just to see diff- how everyone does things differently. I always find myself learning the weirdest things, and it's always like not something you would expect to be the thing. You know, someone might do a, a chord a certain way or or do a certain thing, and and it's so. I'm wondering, are you in that same? Are you always sponging? You know, always looking like, well, that's cool. I think I'll, I think I'll take that and do my own thing with it. Are you always on the prowl? I well, I'm always on the on the prowl, but but lately, I've been on such a. My passion has been to to get that from singers. Oh yeah, I've been, yeah, I've been very focused on 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 what singers do, and uh, for for guitar players, most mostly when I especially when I when I hear you know a player like you or or the the, the players or not a player like you like when I hear you. <laughs> Not like you, you specifically. You know, <laughs> I just you know the stuff that you do with chords, and I'll go like, "Man, that sounds cool." Man, I wish I could do that. I don't think I can. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, you can. <laughs> like, because like you know, you get a sense of like how much, uh, how much time I would need to invest, and then at the end, there's that same worry. Like, did it? Would it? Would it just be like a like sort of a not quite a, like a blurry copy, and uh, but I, I think I think you know it's it's the the the, the, the thing you have to do is put in time, right? You know you just you, you feel, that's the thing when anything that sparks your ear is like oh I like that sound, and then you put time into it, and then the results vary. You know sometimes it comes out exactly how you want it, sometimes it comes out not how you want it, but it's still cool, and that's that's kind of what how I feel that I'm formed is like, I would try go for something. It doesn't like, it kind of misses the target and, but it might hit another target that I like. And so I'll, I'll keep, I'll keep those. You know? Exactly. Well, I'm fascinated by the, the, the vocalist thing. Cause I, you know, I, I could definitely relate to that because there's obviously um, certain aspects of what vocalists do that are just so striking. And when you take those concepts and try to, you know, do it on the guitar, which is an instrument that, can do that in such a unique way. So who are some of the people specifically that you've been listening to as of late? Well, obviously you're doing this Dio thing. Yeah. Well, that's got, I'm going to pull up my list. I have a to-do list and I wrote down, this just one on my to-do list. I thought I'm just going to write down the list of singers and here they are. Ronnie James Dio is the top one. So I thought I'd start with him. Brad Delp, Brad Delp from Boston, Rod Stewart, Steve Marriott, Beatles, Karen Carpenter, Rob Halford from Judas Priest, Robert Plant, Led Zeppelin, Steven Tyler, Three Dog Night. Oh, yeah. Tony Harnell from TNT, Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden, Getty Lee, David Lee Roth, Elvis Presley, Chuck Berry, Johnny Cash, Michael Jackson, Brian Wilson, Mike Love, Eric Burden, the Everly Brothers, Frankie Valley, Little Richard, Katie Lang, Elton John, Bon Scott, Brian Johnson, Ian Gillen, Ann Wilson, Paul Rogers, Don Henley, Freddie Mercury, Steve Perry, Tom Jones, John Anderson, Robin Zander, Donnie V, Justin Curry, Mike Viola, Phil Collins, and Todd Rundgren. Well, that's quite a list. That'll get me started. Yes. 
I was fascinated by your, uh, and I don't know if this is something that you came up with, or you saw somebody else, but that that way that you grab a slide and do the melody, and then within a split second, you put that steel slide on that little magnetic strip on your guitar, and then you're back to playing conventionally. That that was some cool shit, I have to say. <laughs> is that a was that your creation? That implement? That's my creation. Well, I've, I've never been I've, well let's put it this way I, i've had a, a long many decades of slide failure of of just picking it up and going like eh, it's just not not working and and finally I, I had one song in my set where i i just like did a whole song with slide and and the whole, luckily the audience didn't boo me off the stage and it it just it, it started to get yeah, I, I felt like I just opened the slide door, the tiniest bit, you know, just got my toe in the door. But um, but getting it and and putting it back, you know, that, that that's always the problem, right? You know, it's like, well, you know, I'm committed to it for the whole song. You know, if you've got a big band, you know, if you if you know if if, if you have like time, okay, well, you know, Rusty will take over the solo while I put the slide back, and then you know, but I, but I usually don't. It's like three piece, so I got to be busy all the time. And uh, somehow I, th- I thought, like, well, why don't you just put it? I mean, I can't remember the moment when I thought of the magnet thing, but I, I, I did. And it took about two years to really get the the move, where where you just quick without thinking about it, because I, you know, I even with that, I would still drop it on the floor, and and, and you know, it's because the left handed thing you got to do it with the left hand. But finally, I'm real smooth with it now, and it, and uh, and it, and it's uh, it, you know, it's become. But the thing I realized from playing slide is like. Even a, even one song where, where you play all slide is a bit much. You know, it's like that. By that time, you, you're kind of t- really tired of that text. It's like anchovies or something. You know, it's like okay, I can have it one an anchovy here or there, but like, you know, the entire every piece of pizza with and I can have like one slice with anchovies and then get me back to the pepperoni. So uh, th- that's the nice thing about it. It's like I can have a little taste of it and then go back t- to the regular thing. And uh, I would say the other thing from playing slide because I play with my second finger, and it's it's really informed when I don't play with slide because I can sort of just play with my skin as if it were a slide, and it it ends up allowing me to phrase in a way that I that if I had more fingers I I, I wouldn't I wouldn't phrase it. And it's and it's really toneful. There's there's something about this, and and it also it makes the transitions better in, in, for vocals. So like the geo thing I'm doing, almost almost all the melodies are the third string and the, and, the, and when I say the second finger, like the first finger is joining it. So it's, it's you know the two fingers together. But it's, it's that finger on the third string, and I, you know once in a while something on the B string, but but almost almost all the vocals are one string and 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 essentially one finger. Yeah, and it's interesting. It's um. You know, a while back, I was, uh, I've, I've always played slide in one way, shape, or form or another, and, you know, uh, done various different things with, you know, using glass slides and steel slides and using my third finger and using my fourth finger and all this other kind of stuff. And then about, I don't know, maybe, I don't know how many years ago now, but, you know, I, I always loved the kind of uh, the Derek Trucks school from, you know, and I had this, this record years ago uh, called Sacred Steel, which was all these guys from these churches that would play all this gospel stuff. On Lapsdale, it's kind of where uh, Robert, the Robert Randolph School is, you know, and they would do these kind of those longer ascending and descending phrases that sound like a vocalist doing those, you know, vocal, you know, soulful embellishments, right? 
And and then by the same token, then Derek would would do kind of the East Indian type of thing with those little microtonal, you know, little glissandos and so on and so forth. And I was like, I was like, God, how's he getting that? How's he getting that pitch so perfect? I go, and then I'm thinking, I don't believe in divine right of kings. I don't believe in you know. It's like there's got to be a way, you're right. So I, I so I sat down and I was messing with this one tune, and I realized, well, if I just press down for a split second with the slide, I can actually fret with the slide and get all those different pitches. And so, so next thing you know, I'm hitting all these different pitches uh, that would normally be sound a little sour. So I just, for a split second, I press down. And then once you do that, and then I realized that all of those things are done, uh, like most of those little, um, uh, things that are done by, you know, Robert Randolph and, you know, AJ Gents, another great guy in Derek trucks, they're all on one string. So they're all like pentatonic things that are done horizontally. And, and then once I started pressing down with the slide in various different places, then you get the muscle memory and then you don't need to press down with the slide anymore. So, so, so it's fascinating. So I, it's, it's been funner for me to play slide now because I don't have that, that, that frustration of of listening to that and just going how the hell is he doing it so right away i, I, I call up a buddy of mine who knows derek i was like is he pressing down with the slide because you know check this out and i showed him, he's like i don't know if he's doing that or not but i i think you cracked the code <laughs> 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 but that's been a lot of fun but what's but not fun is that i use a glass slide and i play in a trio so if i get done doing a solo and i got to go back into the melody of the tune i just literally throw the slide and that's dangerous yeah, that's dangerous, and especially when it's glass. It's 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 not good. Well, well I understand because like I, I started with the glass, and and I I do believe that glass has a nicer tone to it. Yeah, it just seems to be a little mellower and a little more dynamically sensitive. But you know, there's so many practicalities about a steel one that just makes sense. The magnet, well, the, and, and and just playing with magnets is so much fun because they're really dangerous. <laughs> like if you get, because you know, I buy them in you know in quantity. I'll, I'll you know buy like a dozen of the really strong magnets. You get two of them on the table, and they will you know attack each other, <laughs> and then and then break into these 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 you know sharp you know saber tooth shards. But it, the, <laughs> the, 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 the funniest thing was the you know the the, the my signature guitar. I've been as fireman, and it's basically I've been as iceman upside down. I love that guitar. I got to tell you, I was having major guitar lust. And then when I, when you let me grab that neck is huge on that beast. I love yeah, it. Well, the one I brought was, was a custom shop one, an even, even bigger neck, but, but they do have it. So it's a nice, it's nice size. It was, it was modeled after a Gibson melody maker from the, you know, six, cause I'm uh -huh. Patrick Avers fan. I was. Oh yeah. So anyway, I, you know, when I first asked Ibanez to make me one, I, you know, I hadn't invented the name yet. I just called it the reverse Iceman. You know, kind of like the like the, the, the Gibson you know, Firebird, Reverse Firebird. So, so I, I think I, you know, this is like before there was social media, but you know, somebody sent me an email and they said, he said you should call it the the the, the Fireman because you know, and and I just thought I just thought it was great. I was like, yeah, and and so years went by and I thought I got to thank that guy, you know. So I I, I had an extra, uh, you know, signature guitar sitting around, but I had I had already modified it with with the magnet underneath the pickguard. And I just, I just surprised, I wrote back to him. I said, what's your, you know, mailing, what's your best mailing address? And I, I got something for you. And he sent it to me. So I sent him the guitar and surprised him. And he, uh, you know, I, I think, I think he knew that, that it had the slide magnet in there, but you know, he would, hadn't really thought about it. And it turns out he's like mostly a singer. 
And, 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 you know, the stylish singers don't use boom stands. They use like a straight stand, you know, so he has the straight stand and he's playing the guitar and the magnet grabs the stand <laughs> and, and the mic hits him in the teeth, you know, that's like bonk. <laughs> <laughs> the gift that injured him. And he writes me back. He goes, I, I survived, but you know, <laughs> but I wasn't expecting that. So, I thought I'm glad he told me because you know that 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 could be in my future. So you know, if I happen to be playing a straight stand, I'm going to make sure to pummel yourself, knock you know, your teeth out, some kind of you know anti, you know, flip the magnet the other way or something. Insane. So I was curious. So you're living in you're in L.A. now, still I mean, or no? I'm, I'm talking to you from Portland, Oregon. Oh, that's right. You're in Portland. You know, my daughter's about to move up to Portland, Oregon. Well, welcome to your daughter. Yes. And uh, it's a beautiful, uh, beautiful part of the world up there. I like the food trucks up there in Portland. There seems have you have you? Well, of course, now during COVID, they were probably they were probably sidelined. But there are some food trucks from hell up there. Yeah, there's. Oh, I used to do those a lot more because there was a little place near my house that had a bunch, and they, and they closed that they closed that particular one down. So, uh, but uh, the, the, just the grocery stores are real good. I, I cook all the time. So, oh, nice. So how long have you been up there and what what was the impetus for for moving up there? I've I've been here about 7 years and uh the bunch of them. and I, I've you know done the bus tours all of America a lot and I always liked it when we came through and played. And uh it was you know the the, the northwest is famously rainy and a little and a little cooler than uh, than than LA where I was living before. And Rain and, and cooler weather started to sound like a good idea, you know, because the la- last few years in LA it was just just drought all the time, right? And so, uh, and my wife liked the idea. So, and also it was cheaper because I I have, have a eight year old son, and and when he was born, you know, suddenly we need an extra room, and that was my studio. <laughs> so, so you know, and I was renting a studio, but you had to drive there, and it was you know, I'd pay some extra money for it. So. Uh, and and also I, I couldn't um, I couldn't work at night because you know because I make a little bit of noise it would wake him up because the because I, I had kind of had Studio B at home but it was right next to his room so you know I I always need to you know I, I need to make a little noise at night so we, we could get a we could afford a little bigger place up here and and uh, you know, I've I've got the whole the whole downstairs is is, is mine it's your man cave it's my it's my my guitar guitar land I like it. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I'm in the midst of, um, you know, during COVID, started doing all these live streams. And this room that I'm in right now is in the back of the house. And and uh, and at one point, I was doing all these, you know, Wildwood Guitars sends me all these guitars, which I play for them on these videos. And they post them to their website and so on and so forth. And they would send me strats and tellies. And this is an old house. So I, unless I was sitting in the right position, it would buzz like a demon. And so they're like, they're like, well, you know, we're trying to sell these so, these custom <laughs> shop instruments for a lot of money. Yeah, right. So then I I figured I, I used to be pointing like this, so we would just all be in this this room, and I could fit you know uh, rhythm section in here in the whole nine yards. But then I figured out the only way to get rid of the buzz is if I cut the room in half and was facing this way. <laughs> so, so then I started taking over the living room or the dining room. So I, there's a drum set out here. And so my wife's like, great. Is there any more space you want to take up? And then when the guitars come in, they come in the very front room. So I've kind of got like a little shipping department up front. And she's finally like, you need to get this shit out of here. <laughs> <laughs> 
So right now we're in the midst of putting a room over our garage. So uh, that, so this past weekend I had to take everything that was in, <laughs> I had to take everything that was in the garage and get it out, which was, you know, where all my merch is and the whole nine yards. So it was, it was an interesting process. But so, so soon the, the, the moral of the story is that soon I will have my own little lair up there. But, um, I was going to ask you how, how's fatherhood with because I know I just I just said I've got four kids. You met my oldest son out there yeah. in, in California. My youngest son just went off to uh, to uh, college, and so I'm, I'm getting close to the end. But you've got a long way to go, my friend. It's going to keep you young. That's all I'm going to say. Well, so how, how have you been enjoying? And, and I was thinking the fact that you know your wife's this musician and you're this musician is. Are you already seeing signs that your son is taking that path or? Is he repelled by it? Because that's yeah, what he's, mom he's, and dad. He's did. already bored to his core with with music. He, you know, the um, he actually made a little he made a little pie chart graph about six. It was six, you know, slices of pie numbered, and he said, "Pick one." So I, you know, I picked number three, and then he said, "Okay, now turn it over." And on the other side, you know, each number corresponded to a different occupation that was not being a musician. Like, you know, you could be a, a cowboy or a doctor or a, a baker or you know, just anything. He said, okay, this is, you pick number three. So this is your job. Don't be a musician anymore. You've done it. You've, <laughs> done, it, you've done it enough. Something <laughs> else now. <laughs> well, it's interesting. I was thinking about that. Now, what were your parents like towards you being a musician? Were they supportive or were they, yeah, were my, they skeptical my, uh, or? Well, they, they, my, my dad, as soon as I bought a guitar, he became a tech because I would, I would break stuff and then he would figure out how to fix it. And, you know, it got to the point where he was building pedals from schematics and modifying my amps and, you know, really, oh, no kidding. It, was, it was really, really cool. Um, and he, he, we bought a, we bought a neck and he, he built the body and then we, you know, painted it and, and put the old parts on. So we, it was you know, a lot of father son bonding from, from guitar gear. Uh, Excellent. Yeah, and obviously my my mom's brother was my uncle, so she, you know she was next right. major so, to having to having, rock. Yeah. Now, were you a low, were you an only child, or did you have siblings? I was an only child until I was eight, and my sister was born. So I, I had a long stint as an only child. Yeah. And uh, and then when my sister was born, it was around the time I I started playing guitar. So it was like something to do, you know, when I when I didn't get as much attention. Right. You know, I, I had I had a new a new pal. You know, the, the guitar. But uh, yeah, I, I, I've been teaching my son to strum, and you know I've I've got to bribe him, you know, or or threaten him, you know. With, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll come up with something that that he dislikes more. You know, it's like oh, okay, well, you have to eat like the, that whole thing of broccoli or play the guitar, and and you know sometimes he'll go for the broccoli, sometimes the guitar, but you know that's like the lesser of two evils. But but he's he's a pretty good strummer at this point because I'll, I'll hold the chords because you know he's, he's still he's a little little kid so he's still got small hands I don't want him getting frustrated about chords and and plus if he just strums he can uh, you know we can make it through a song right and and and, it's, and so it's like we we just played some music you know and and that's uh, you know I I I love it you know and I think you know he he sort of. It, you know, he he enjoys teasing me and 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 being contrary. You know, just you know, rebellion is fun. So I I don't know if he really hates it as much as he says he does. But <laughs> he, he, either way, you know, if 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 like 
you know, if, if some situation comes up where he has to strum, he'll have the ability to do it. Right. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting thing. None of my kids wanted to play guitar. My son gravitated to drums like really early. You know, just he just would grab anything and start beating on stuff. And you know, and then I had the two girls were next, and and they were always into theater and singing and dancing and stuff like that. But you know, no real. Then one girl started playing bass for a while, and and she still wants. To, she doesn't really play much. But the other, you know, my daughter Isla, she plays guitar and she's actually pretty good. But you know, it's, it's just not an obsession. And then my youngest son, you know, he plays saxophone and he enjoys it, but we're always like, Hey John, why don't you, why don't you sit in with the band? And like, yeah, he wants nothing to do with it. And, and he's actually going to school for biochem. So he's, uh, he's not following in the artistic footprint of his parents. So, which is fine, you know, whatever, whatever trips one trigger, but it's, it's fascinating to see uh, how they react to, to the parental involvement in music and, and the industry, as it were. <laughs> yeah, it's always been one of those things, though. It's where it's like my, my, you know, my my kids were always, you know, even to this day, they're, you know, some of the, um, you know, the daughters and stuff, they, you know, they'll run across somebody who's maybe a fan and they'll be like, well, that's weird. Do they actually know who you are? You know what I mean? They're just <laughs> completely underwhelmed, which, is, which, I, which I think is great. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I have no expectations. You know, it's not like oh, what? My, I was sure that you were you're going to love guitar more than anything. Like I, I, I never, right. I never thought that for a second. It, it um, you know, if 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 I, if I can just in a couple of years, if I can convince them to hold down an E chord and an A chord, maybe a maybe a B, and we can play Louis Louis. Although I guess Louis Louis is A D and what's Louis Louis? A D and E minor, maybe. Uh, I, yeah, A D E minor. Yep. Yeah, if, if we can get Louis Louis, you know that's that, that's that's super bonus points. <laughs> you know, I was going to ask you while while I was thinking about it here. The um, are, are you someone that like likes to find always new music, or are you are are you to the point now where? you kind of like, oh, I always wanted to know about this one thing. So I'm going to go back and kind of research it. Or is it a combination of the both? I'm just interested. If, 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 are there things you like that are brand new that you like to listen to quite a bit or at this particular stage of the game, what, what's it like for you? Uh, mostly I go back in time and uh, there, there, there's, I, I have two excuses. What one is my brain is old. So like, you know, to, to, to what new, new music is sort of, finds its creativity in areas that I'm not used to. And then the other thing is, is I've, I've got, you know, severe hearing loss. And so I, like the Dio album I'm doing now, when, as I'm learning the vocal lines, uh, you know, I've, I've got the amazing slow downer to, which is a, you know, an app that allows me to hear, you know, slow things down and really focus on the details. But I also have my memory of it. And and so that's that's really helpful is, is I because you know it's already half in there, but to to get brand new you know I I can't hear above one k so you know it's um it you know I'm, I'm missing a lot where I can remember above one k. I got you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's a shame. So I'm, I'm, it's horrible to hear about hear about your hearing, and I'm, I'm just curious as to was it a, was it a gradual thing? Was there a moment where you're like Holy shit! I think I just did something to my hearing, or was it a progressive thing over time? And it was both. I mean, there are a, few, a couple of holy shit moments, you know. And, and one of them was was going to hang out with Eddie Van Halen for an afternoon. 
Ah, interesting. And uh, and we just we just like played each other demos really loud. And and after that, I came out of there and was like, man, this is just not stopping ringing, you know. But oh. uh, yeah, but it was I got to meet Eddie Van Halen, so okay, it was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> But, but yeah, yeah, it's a definitely definitely gradual thing, and the um, the the thing that that has you know warms my heart is that as as a player and and as a and you know my my experience as playing music is almost is as good or even better than it's ever been. I I just have such a good time playing music and connect to it so deeply and and that and that you know hearing loss hasn't changed that and and it, and it, I was scared you know that's I thought it would and and really the biggest thing with hearing loss is speech and and you know you're a professional broadcaster and and also we're paying attention to each other and I've got a room filled with acoustic panels to get rid of the reverb so you know I can I've got hearing aids although my battery just ran out they're beeping. <laughs> but I, and, and also in this interview i'm talking and and so that's that's the thing when you when you have hearing loss you tend to go like yeah whatever let me talk for a long time <laughs> <laughs> perfect <laughs> but I, i'm really pleasantly surprised at how little it's affected my and, and, if, and if anything it's sort of pushed me to be more aware of what i hear inside my head and to connect to that. So that, that style of improvising where instead of sort of letting my fingers run around and, and, and like, you know, listening to it sort of post, you know, after it happened and then make, trying to make adjustments, which is more what I did when I was a teenager, you know, it's like, okay, I'll let I'll run around the scales I know. And then just, you know, when it's wrong, stop. Uh, now it's what do I hear and, and try to match that. And that's, that, that's, that works a lot better when I, when I, Maybe not won't hear it so accurately, but if I feel it and 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 know it, and then you know that's it's, it's wonderful. Well, let me ask you this: What's the next thing? What's the next other than you know you're doing this Dio thing? Is that's your primary focus? Do you have a road trip coming up at all? Or are you just kind of hanging out, finishing this record, doing some more instructional stuff? What's kind of on the horizon for you? Yeah, right now, the balancing work on the Dio record and my online school. I should try to keep up with that because that's you know on on average about. Uh, uh, you know, 40, 50 videos a week. Oh, man. Yeah. That's the only one way to get to 13,000. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but the, the Dio thing, I, I haven't, now here's, here's I'm, uh, you've been asking me questions. I, I've got a, a, a question about this. What is it about music that makes the hair stand up? Do you have a theory? Uh, Boy, it's while you think about that, I'm gonna get new batteries. I'll be right back. Okay. So what, what what do you think it is? Well, I think for me anyway, I think it's probably different for everybody, but um you know, I think that there is a uh a, a connection to something that is um almost like paranormal. You know what I mean? Not paranormal, but you know, metaphysical, whatever you want to say, but yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why Hendrix always mystified me is that there was something when I was listening to it, there's like, there's something beyond, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm a big fan of, of, of the Beatles. I'm, I'm a big fan of, of pop music. I've, 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 I've a tendency to like the hairy Beatles more than the, uh, 
the, the squeaky clean Beatles. Yes. And, um, you know, because there's there was just a more as soon as it got heavier, that's where I dug it. Although I I do love the melodies and you know and uh, there's a there's definitely a power pop sensibility to uh, how I like to hear things and so on and so forth. But to me, there's something like about a, a, a pop tune. This isn't a perfect analogy by any stretch of the imagination. That's that's like a good joke. You know what I mean? It's like a good joke's funny. You could tell a lot, but after a while. It's not funny anymore until you listen to it a year later and go, that's funny. And then you enjoy it again. Whereas there's another aspect to music that's more imp- improvisational and so on and so forth that has a thing to it that you could listen to over and over and over again. And you still get this connection to something. And I, and, and I, and then that's just the way I listen to stuff, but you know, like certain Hendrix things or, you know, it could be anything from, you know, I like to listen to all Albert King stuff to, you know, Zeppelin has that cream, you know, but then there's certain aspects of like, if you hear, you know, the early Bob Dylan records or, or jo- early Johnny Cash, there's something in the delivery of, of that, that has this mysterious thing. And I guess I don't know what that is. And I guess that unknowing is what gives me the goosebumps. You know what I mean? I, th- I think I do. My sense is that when when you have a like when you talk about like the early Beatles, where the a big part of that is the song structure, right? Like that's the star, right? And and so in in a way, your 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 physical connection with the instrument is like I've got to color inside the lines, and because I've got to preserve, I've got to make sure this structure gets across. I've got to communicate. That's what I've got to communicate. That's the job, and so. If even even if I had this emotion that made me want to color outside the line, I I, I can't not allowed to do that because that would mess up the song. Right. Yeah. Whereas like the, the examples you mentioned are like, I kind of feel this here, and I'm gonna color over that line, and and it's uh so it, it, it tends to be a little less songy. You know the stru- the structure may. May may have to be more flexible, or you may lose some of the structure. But what you get in exchange is this. And my just thinking about it, look what's happening. My the hair's still yeah. up. I think you may be right. <laughs> and it's it's very in the moment. It's it's something that you couldn't plan, right? And uh, so that's that's part one. Now I'm gonna, I'm going to give you my part two, which is I thought like okay, well where where does this come from? Like you know. In, in in terms of like other animals, like because I've I've got a cat, you know, and and sometimes you know if the cat's you know angry or something, you know, the, the hair stands out. You know, everybody's seen a cat that the hair stands up. Or, you know, animals do that same kind of thing, and it's you know it's because they're like really scared or really angry or you know it's not it's not you don't really associate it with like oh that's a, you know that cat's very happy right now you know. Um, so I thought, well, is that what's happening? Am I like scared or or angry? And I thought, <laughs> it doesn't feel like that. But, but the only way I can think, you know, connect or think about that is like maybe it's the feeling of like a big, large predator that could eat me. Just, just like you know, sort of started coming toward me, and I bristled, and it worked. Right. <laughs> I, 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 and I said it actually scared the thing away, and I and I'm I'm still alive. <laughs> so that, that I think that might be like, whoo, <laughs> right? 
I like that. Like, wow, <laughs> you know, I, I can actually scare away the bear by bristling. Exactly. By bristling. <laughs> Survival by bristling. Yeah, we have we have two we have a couple of cats as well. I've we have these Bengal cats and they are they are high maintenance, but bless them. Not as high maintenance as a dog would be. That's why I like this. <laughs> Yeah, you're a, you could catify your. Have you catified your house with all the things to climb on? Oh yeah, absolutely. Never a dull moment. We go through these things where we just got over the the last round of it. But if they go to the vet, and, we, and this time, this last time, I brought them into the same room with the same vet, handled at the same time, the whole nine yards. But then they get back home, and the one cat doesn't recognize the other cat because the smells different, and so. Then we have to separate them or else they're going to kill each other. So then we go through we go through this reintegration process that literally takes months. So we have the house segre- segregated into two. It's it's a nightmare. And I, I don't I don't know if it's because this one particular cat we have is just a psycho or or if it's because these Bengal cats are a little bit, you know, uh more feral. You know what I mean? They're they're a cu- couple of generations away from uh being wild, but Anyway, never a dull moment. So now we finally got them where they can they can hang out again. They just need like, to listen to more Johnny Cash and Bob Dylan. Well, that's exactly correct. <laughs> well, you know what's interesting for me is that I I I, I don't know what it is. You we were talking about Zeppelin earlier, and you know it's it's what I remember distinctly a time back. Well, I, I for some reason Zeppelin wasn't all that. Uh, prevalent in my brother's record collection my sister had like zeppelin one and she had i remember the day in 1975 that my one sister was going up to kmart to get some stuff and my other sister said here's 10 bucks get me that new led zeppelin record and she came back with physical graffiti and my, she's like what do you mean it's a double record i didn't want you know she didn't know it was a, and i remember that i remember her playing it all the time but i remember listening to um, hearing like tunes like Black Dog when I was a kid. And for some reason, I, I got kind of a cold feeling from it, just like that echo on his voice and and just the the starkness of that riff. For some reason, initially, you know, as a as a non-guitar playing me, you know, as a young kid, as a fan of music, but but not yet a player, I I I wasn't exactly drawn to it. I was much more comfortable with Hendrix and Cream and James Gang and Beatles and Stones and that kind of stuff. And then for some reason, I started playing guitar and this other buddy of mine's like, have you listened to much Zeppelin? And I was like, and then he played me his Led Zeppelin one and I just couldn't get enough of it. I was like, this is the great, and it was the funnest music to play, right? And so I remember I was really into it. And then I started taking lessons from a guy who was, you know, a few years older than I was. And he was kind of like, yeah, Jimmy Page is a hack, you know, and, you know, you know, Clapton and Hendrix were much more attuned to the real blues thing as opposed to him was more flashy and and that and then in through the outdoor had just come out at that particular point in time and um and he was like you know you know Bonham you know he was just very dismissive and it's it's amazing how your brain processes uh listening to music once someone you look up to kind of poo-poos something you know what i mean so it took me a couple years and I was kind of, and this buddy of mine, this drummer in my, my high school band was like, you've got to go see the song remains the same. So I go and see it. And at one point I was just, I was like, you know, it just seems like it's like, he's playing too much, you know? And, uh, but then I was like, then he's prancing around the stage. Like, well, clearly he's the coolest individual ever to play the guitar. Cause I mean, you see Zeppelin visually and you're like, these guys are the coolest cats that ever were, you know? 
So then I found myself just being a lifelong Zeppelinite after that, for whatever reason. And to this day, it's like I'm going to bed at night. I'll find some old bootleg and and I'll listen to it and, I, and I'll be like, yeah, Paige is really sloppy that night. But there's just something about this thing these four guys on a on a stage with very few pyrotechnics and they're just rocking out filling stadiums and i just part of me is like you know is there something to the idea of this um you know pages studies i won't say in black magic per se but just in the and he was obviously very attuned to iconography and the, the whole aspect of being able to put something together for the maximum impact on the masses, you know what I mean? And, and I'm just wondering how much of us are, are, do we get sucked into these mass delusions where if we looked at it with like a fresh ear, we'd listen to a particular live Zeppelin thing and go, this is horrible. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, it's endless source of fat. Wait, wait, you ever, what are your thoughts about that? I mean, it's just, I know it's kind of a weird statement, but it's just, it's true though. We listen to some of the stuff and under any other circumstance, any other vantage point, you'd be like, what? And then, but with the right kind of positioning, it's like, this is the greatest shit ever. Yeah. Well, the, the, the two thoughts that come to mind is, is one, it, whenever I get in, into a critical mindset and start thinking like, oh, this is crap, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll take a step back and think, well, what? If if that guitar solo was actually played by my dad, <laughs> now now my dad's not a guitar player, uh, but I think one of the reason I use him is I think like what if someone I loved, right? You know who who I I'm, no matter what they do I'm gonna love them. You know what what if he played it? We, you know and and then you know would I forgive it? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's one way of looking at it. Yeah, and the and the other thing, like with, with Jimmy Page, you know, I, I'm a huge fan as, as well. But uh, you know, after John Bonham died, there was a, a you know, to me as a as a fan, there was a real change in what Jimmy was able to do musically after that. And so, in in this in the same way, where where I believe that Eddie Van Halen. It's not Eddie Van Halen. Eddie Van Halen is Eddie Van Halen plus Alex Van Halen. Right, I got you. You need to have those two. I've I've heard Eddie play with other drummers. You know, he'd, he'd guest on the David Letterman show, and it was like it was not the same. Right. To, to me, the, the the beat it solo that everybody loves. I've never liked that solo. It's not Eddie's fault. There's no Alex. Right, I you got know, you. When, yep. when Eddie plays over a beat, that's do You know, it's it's just like. It, all the balls are gone, you know. Like that, that's, and so Jimmy Page without Bonham, I I I sense that that Jimmy Jimmy Page just went like, whoop, you know, that's it, <laughs> you know, right? Right. Jimmy, Jimmy Page is not Jimmy Page. Jimmy Page, Jimmy Page plus John Bonham. Yep. And that was like, that that was the end vehicle, you know. And, and so suddenly, you know, he's he's a shell. I mean, you know. I don't know if Jimmy would probably go, what? You know, I'm I'm fine. I can still do it. And he can he still can. He can still do everything, you know, that is him. But without Bonham behind it, it 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 lost it's a different thing. It was a I'm different, with you. different thing in, in a in a really and I think different musicians uh you know for for really for financial reasons, you know, I I I've been doing mostly solo stuff because you get to keep most of the money. Right. 
And at my level, you kind of have to, or that, because that's the only way you're, you're going to break even or, or, you know, hopefully rent. So, uh, you know, if, if, if you're, if you're a giant act, you know, you're, maybe you've got options, but for, 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 for me, it's like, I, I can't afford to, uh, you know, to, to, to pay a consistent group of musicians that, that we build, you know, a, a unique sound together with. It's just too expensive. Uh, so, I, so I've got to, I've got to, you know, in my own career, I've got to, I've got to be busy enough as a player where, where that becomes the focus. And, and, and you know, I want, I want, you know, I'd love to have good drummers and bass players and, and musicians to play with. But I, in a way, I have to rely less on them and, and be flexible enough where, like, no matter who I'm playing with, I got to be able to make it happen. And, and, I, I, and I can't rely on a Bonham or an Elks Van Halen to, to be the engine. Because, you know, that's, 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 unless, I, unless I can really, you know, have a singer who can write the hits. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then, then it would work. The hits pay for it all. Right. But I don't have any exactly. hits. So I, 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 I got to just be a busy with a, you know, with, with, with a variety of, of uh, and be, you know, able to succeed in a variety of musical situations. <laughs> so I like to say, tonight I'm going to play the hits of yesterday and never. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, Paul, thank you so much for spending some time with us. It's been a fascinating conversation, as I knew it would be. And uh, I, I hope to cross paths with you again soon and do some playing. That was an absolute pleasure to be involved. Thanks so much for having me at the Great Guitar Escape. It was a really, really good time. And hopefully we'll get to see each other on down the road. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, for anybody listening, I'm, uh, I hope uh, if you made it this far, my goodness. You must be interested in the same stuff we are. So, yes, absolutely. And that's 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 fun. So uh, keep having fun. Absolutely. All right, Paul, take care of yourself. You too, Greg. Thanks a lot. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. We absolutely appreciate you caring and checking out these podcasts. We certainly have a good time doing them. Again, it's brought to you by our friends at Wildwood Guitars in Louisville, Colorado. Don't be afraid to go to wildwoodguitars.com. Check out what they have going on. I actually go there every night and visit their new arrivals page. It's kind of a kind of an illness, really. And, of course, our friends at Fishman Transducers, fishman.com, making all the greatest accoutrements for your stringed instruments. Stay tuned for more. Greg Cock here. Thanks so much for tuning in.